Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630, Chad Reed Wilkins coming to you from the home office, the closet-sized spare bedroom I have been habitating for showtime. We'll have a bit of a break from election talk tonight, though, of course, if there is any uh, breaking news, I will try to bring you that, and Charles Adler will be back on everything full-time Coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. Happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the number to call. It is also the number to text. You'll hear from William Lagason later on this half hour. Defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers playing in the Swedish second division and currently having a pretty good season over there. He signed a two-year contract yesterday with the Oilers. We're also going to talk to uh, John Shannon about some NHL stuff, about some NHL uh, broadcasting stuff. He's always fun to talk to. I'm really looking forward to catching up with Gord Thibodeau tonight, head coach and GM of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. The news for a lot of leagues has been we're not playing or we're going to try to play much later on. The NHL has that January 1st target date. The uh, American Hockey League into February, January 8th for the Western Hockey League. We uh, had Mark Kozik on the show last night, the CEO of the ACAC. They unfortunately have decided not to play. Canada West U Sports not playing, but the AJHL is going to go ahead. They are going to play shortened season. They'll have to modify some things. You won't play outside your division, but Gord's going to be on tonight. And John Stanton is on the show. I mentioned this briefly yesterday. John Stanton's the president and the founder of the running room, and uh, they always put on the Edmonton Marathon every August, which is an, an awesome event. And it didn't happen this year. They actually want to decide by mid-January whether or not that uh, they are going to proceed with the race in 2021. So we'll get some of the thinking behind that. And for those of you who might be looking to stay in shape, do some running, uh, do some working out into the winter months, we'll talk to John about that too. Always good to have him on the show. Okay, I was uh, just checking out a story here about the NBA, a report that the Board of Governors and the Players Association are, are, uh, are meeting and expected to come up with agreement to start their next season on December 22nd. And they would play 72 games, so close to a regular full season for the NBA. They usually play 82. Uh, could be voting on this even tonight, actually. And starting before Christmas for them would be significant. The NBA usually plays five games on Christmas Day. They've sort of taken that over as as their day. They used to play a triple header, and then a few years ago, they I think well, I think they actually used to play a double header, and then a few years ago, they started playing a a triple header on Christmas Day. So. Uh, that would help them in television and they would still be uh, done their league before the Summer Olympics start in mid-July. So uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that because that could affect what the NHL does 
We continue to speculate about that. We had Emily Kaplan on the show last night from ESPN who has uh, talked to John or John Daly. Well, John Daly would be an interesting deputy commissioner for the NHL to talk to Bill Daly about what the plan might be there. She said there could be hybrid bubbles, perhaps, maybe not full-on bubbles, but some sort of uh, modified hub cities where let's say there's a Canadian division and the seven Canadian teams maybe go to Vancouver for two weeks, play seven or eight games, then they'd go home for a week to be there with their families and uh, and practice a little bit, and then you might go to another city and you're there for a couple weeks, and maybe that's how the season gets played or part of the season. So all things to consider here as uh, as we move through the process of trying to get the season going. I, I it's it's I don't really I mean look we're we're obviously speculating about what's going to happen with an NHL season. We know it won't be 82 games. At max, it's going to be 60. If they can start January 1st, I think they'll play 60 games. That's 15 games a month until the end of April. You do playoffs in May and June, then you can get a little bit closer to back on calendar with uh, the draft and free agency. And then you're done in time for the Olympics. And then they want to start the following season, the season that starts just uh, under a year from now, they want to start that in its usual time, be back on calendar for 2021, 2022. If we get, if, if it starts January 15th, and I think that's more likely the season starts January 15th, January 23rd, even February 1st, then you're looking at 56, maybe even 48 games. They won't play fewer than 48 games. And I think they will play. I think it's highly, highly unlikely that the NHL season doesn't happen. I think they're going to figure out a way to do it, even if they have to uh, limit the travel or, like I said, have you playing in a smaller group of teams where you play the same teams over and over again instead of going all the way around the league. It's going to happen. I, I just really, I, I'm like well over 90% that the NHL is going to be a, have a season. I don't think they can afford to go away for a while or not have a season in some markets. I definitely think there will be a season. How it'll look, when it'll start, that's what we're waiting. Now, we're getting to the point here where you'd hope we're, we're, I mean, the NBA is talking about December 22nd. Well, if the NHL is talking about January 1st, then you would expect the NHL to make some sort of announcement in what, 10 days? I mean, January 1st is 10 days after December 22nd. So should we hear something from the NHL maybe a bit after Remembrance Day, even if they come out and say January 1st is no longer the target? And Bettman made that official when he spoke a few weeks ago. Do they eventually come out and say, all right, January 1st is no longer the target. January 15th is the target. I I just think that makes more sense logistically that you get the players back together after Christmas, maybe January 1st, January 2nd. That gives you a training camp of almost two weeks maybe you play an exhibition game or two and don't forget the seven teams that didn't make the expanded 24 team tournament it's been reported that they are likely to get an extended training camp so could those teams come back december 27th and everybody else comes back january 2nd and then you start january 15th or a little bit later on in january i think that's where where we're headed um, with the NHL, I, I don't think they're going to get anywhere near to 82 games. Like the NBA saying they're going to get to 72, good for them starting the te- December 22nd. No, don't forget, they usually start three or four weeks after the NHL starts its regular season anyway. So December 22nd is not as much of a delay. So all things that are sort of bouncing around, 
as uh, as we move through this highly unusual time. Players are trying to stay in shape. A lot of guys are playing in Europe. We're going to have William Lagesson on the show coming up in a few minutes. He's been playing in Sweden, and he got that new contract from the Oilers yesterday. Dominic Cahoon, newly signed by the Oilers on Monday. He has been loaned to Munich in the German League, so he'll stay there till the NHL begins. The Oilers got about a dozen guys uh, overseed. Uh, Bouchard, Broberg, uh, Haas, Nygaard, who's been hurt, um, Players like that who have uh, Tyler Benson's in Switzerland. And uh, so guys like that have been overseas and playing and they'll bounce back for where there's training camp whenever that starts. Uh, Colton says, hey, Reed, you should try and get John Daly on anyways. I'm sure he has some good drunken stories. Ha ha. I, I, that would be a dream to interview John Daly. I think that would be fantastic. Maybe, maybe someday it'll happen. 780 Zero six three to get in touch. William Lag. The late Edward Van Halen on the lead guitar little humans being from the uh, movie Twister. Just a quick note here. If you're going to text me about the American election and Donald Trump, I'm not going to read it because this is a sports show. And, uh, and I'm trying to give people a break from that. If you don't like what I said about Donald Trump on uh, with Jay Lynn, I, like you, am entitled to my opinion. And I haven't liked the man for almost 40 years. So it has nothing to do with the last four years. I, I've thought he's a goof and a clown for a long time. Okay. So at least I'm consistent. If you don't like it, that's fine. We don't have to agree, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you want me to say. I mean, you listen to the show sometimes for opinion and you're getting it. So if all you can do is cry because you don't like what I'm saying, you know, maybe you need to develop a little more maturity. That's all I'm saying. And I would love to get John Daly on the show. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the number to call or text. Please to welcome to Inside Sports, Edmonton Oilers defenseman. He's now playing with Vita Hostin in the Swedish second division, William Lagesson. William, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Well, congratulations on the contract with the Oilers. How are you feeling about the two-year deal? Well, it feels uh, really good, actually. Uh, I'm really happy about it. When you look at the progress you were able to make last year, playing in the AHL, playing in the NHL, how did you feel about the season overall? Uh, it was good. Uh, good to get some some experience uh, to play my first NHL games, and uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. What are some of the areas you feel you improved in over the past season? Um, I think I got some uh, improving my uh, my offensive game a lot. Uh, and also just get some some experience playing on small small eye cheats, uh, making quick decisions and uh, good positioning all over the the ice. Uh, so I think those are the the areas that have been improving improving the most. What are some of the biggest things you've had to learn about playing on the smaller ice surface? Uh, I think just to like do the make the the right decision with the puck uh, you don't have that much time uh, you always have a guy uh, pretty close to you so 
with those small small passes and quick decisions i think that's uh that's the hardest part whether you were with the condors or with the oilers who were some of the other defensemen you looked up to and you were able to learn from uh, when I came up there, obviously the Swedes, uh, Clefum and Larsen, uh, took me out under the wings and helped me a lot. Uh, so I think uh, those two guys for sure. Okay, you're playing now in in Sweden, and looks like you got you're having a pretty good season. You got nine points in eleven games. Uh, tell us about uh, about the team you're on and how it's doing so far this year. Uh, yeah, it's been going good. Uh, I think we have a we have a great group of, group of guys here. Uh, uh, Tony, the the head coach, uh, brought me in the team here and uh, have put me in the in a good start. And uh, we got some good players with uh, Marcus Sirison and uh, a couple other guys too. So I think uh, we have had a good start, and I've been playing playing some good uh, minutes on the on the team too so it's uh, it's been awesome okay is it, do you, is it how, how close to your hometown are you I'm not even sure do you have friends and family who can come watch you uh, yeah my friends uh, my parents have been up uh, uh, once or twice and watched me here so it's only uh, three a little bit more than three hours uh, drive so it's it's pretty close so uh yeah they've been here uh i have some friends that have been come visited too okay sounds good william lagason joining us tonight on inside sports y- you mentioned that the other swedish defensemen on the oilers larsen and Clefbaum. so many great swedish defensemen not that there haven't been great swedish forwards but kind of known for the defensemen that are produced out of sweden when uh, when you were coming up through minor hockey who were some of your swedish uh, well i'll say athletic heroes it doesn't have to be a hockey player who were some guys you really liked when you were a kid uh obviously it was like uh guys like Eric Carlson, uh Niklas Lidstrom, uh Peter Forsberg and uh Hedman too. Uh those were guys uh, like I really looked up to and uh try to watch and learn. Uh, and then some other sports uh, atle- athletics from Sweden is like obviously like Slatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, and yeah, I think those guys. Yeah, were you were you always a hockey player primarily, or did you excel at any other sports? Yeah, I played uh, soccer for a pretty long time uh, until I was like fourteen or uh, thirteen, fourteen years old. Uh, after that, I had to to choose uh, one or the other, and uh, it was kind of a hard decision to make. Uh, I think I was like pretty equal uh, in both sports, uh, but uh, yeah, I picked hockey. Okay, were you always a defenseman in hockey? Uh, I started uh, when I was kind of young as a centerman, uh, but then uh, pretty quick, I uh, uh, when I joined joined another team, they put me in the defense, and uh, I've been playing uh, defense since. Okay. Uh, when's your next game? When are you back on the ice here? Uh, we have a game uh, tomorrow, actually, with the team. Uh, but we'll see if, uh, if all the paperwork and everything is uh, is is uh, getting ready uh, for the game tomorrow. But uh, the team has a game tomorrow. Okay. 
All right, William, thank you so much for checking in. Again, congratulations on the contract, and hopefully we see you back in Edmonton uh, very soon whenever the season gets going. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, that's William Lagason playing in Sweden, has the new two-year deal with the Edmonton Oilers. The structure is is like this. It's a two-way contract in year one, so he'll have an NHL salary and an AHL salary. And then in year two, it's a one-way contract, so he gets the NHL salary even if he's in the minors. The average annual value is 725000 yeah, we're having a pretty good season in uh, in Sweden right now. He has nine points in, in 11 games. Now, again, it is the Swedish second division, but good for him for putting that up. He talked a little bit about paperwork. It is just this. The uh, the way I understand it is the, the way the loan papers are set up has to be altered now that he actually has an NHL contract because he was a restricted free agent, so he didn't have an NHL deal for the last few weeks. So I think now that just kind of has to get refiled and sorted out now that he actually has a contract with the Oilers. I see him as a depth player for the Oilers. Maybe he even spends most of the time in the minors, and if he has to be called up to be the 6-7 D-man, then he'll be accumulating those minutes in the AHL. That'll help him when he gets to the NHL. Bob and I discussed this last night, and Bob made a good point. He could be the Oilers' number seven at the start of the season. And it's interesting. He, uh, you know, he may be in the NHL maybe for some of the year, but longer term, a couple of younger guys are, are going to jump past them on the depth chart in the form of Philip Broberg and Evan Bouchard. And maybe even, maybe even Bouchard's on the NHL roster to start the year whenever we get there. But you know, you need depth. The Oilers have, have not had a lot and there's nothing wrong with a guy being in the minors, getting playing time, getting minutes. And when you call him up, he's, he's prepared, you know, he's in his mid twenties. So Lagson's already 24 and he's not going to be overwhelmed by what he's facing in a game. I mean, we all know that uh, when the Oilers, through the years when they really struggled, didn't have, have a lot of depth, had a lot of players who wound up playing out of place, that's for sure. Okay, John Shannon is going to check in. Thursday night football, we'll keep you updated on that one as well. Green Bay taking on San Francisco. The Niners beat up. No Kittle, no Garoppolo. They're having a bit of a tough year. Packers looking really, really good. No score early in that one. We're back after the break. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Already 7-0 for the Packers, leading the 49ers only four minutes into the first quarter. Packers are 5-2. 49ers are 4-4. Four and four. Don texting in, uh, Reed, uh, says, Hey, Reed, do you have any idea if the players playing in Europe are in a bubble? Do they have fans in the stands or do they have any problems with COVID-19? Uh, generally, Don, there are limited fans in the arenas in uh, in European leagues, actually, I'll bring in John Shannon here because if John knows anything, he can he can jump in. Um, the, uh, now, I believe the Swiss league had some problems with COVID and suspended play for a while. Uh, KHL is limiting uh, fans. Uh, Sweden, I think you can only have up to fifty people. Finland, forty to sixty percent of the arena. Uh, Germany, I believe, is twenty percent. They sound of a bit of a website summarizing here. Um, yeah, I don't know, John, if you got anything to add to that, but I, but I think it was Switzerland. They had to postpone some games or it call some games yeah, off. It was. It okay. Was, yeah. 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 Now there, listen, the, uh, the European leagues are, are 
working with with public health as well, trying to uh, limit the amount of fans in certain scenarios. Finland seems to be the only one that's close to anywhere near what I would describe as a, a hockey crowd more than anything else. Uh, you know, the KHL has had issues uh, with uh, with a, with a bit of uh, a bit of uh, the coronavirus, but uh, and nobody's nobody's in a bubble there. They're all being very responsible. Temperatures taken as they they arrive at their practice facilities, but nobody is actually in a bubble. Right. What, what do you make of the NBA's plan here? Well, I guess it's still a proposal, but they're talking about December twenty second and seventy two games. That's almost a full year for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, if they can, you know, if they can pull it off, uh, and you have to have a plan, you know, before you can do it. But uh, it sounds like the players are going to ratify it this weekend, uh, and that uh, that they're going to try to uh, to put as many games as as possible, as safely as possible, with public health uh, rules in place. Um, you, you know, the one thing I would say is that what we learned with the Major League Baseball. Uh, regular season, the 60-game season, albeit was outdoors. Uh, but once the players understood the ramifications, uh, remember we had the issues with St. Louis, the issues with Miami. Uh, then after that, seem, things seemed to be seems to uh, settle down, and and the the players were very responsible about not going out, uh, not endangering their their teammates or the other team. Uh, so I, I think that's possible. And the other thing, Reed, is that the NBA at a 72-game schedule is is going to get almost all of its national television money and all of its national sponsorship money, and, and that's a big part of of their league success. They're they're much more driven by that than they are ticket sales. Right. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I was saying in the first half hour of the show, they still have their quintuple header on Christmas Day if yep. they're back December 22nd. So that's all. But would, would the Raptors, would they not have to be potentially the, the Kansas City Raptors or wherever they might have to wind up like the Blue Jays had to play in Buffalo? Well, I think so at this point. I mean, if, we, if they needed to make a decision now, uh, I don't think you're going to see the federal government uh, give them any leeway to allow teams to come into, into the country without quarantining. Uh, so I think, yeah, whether it's whether it's Kansas City, there's, there seems to be a real movement from Kansas City. I know the mayor is all over it, but uh, Kansas City or Tampa or Buffalo. Okay, so those would be the options. So Buffalo, yeah. well, would they play in the hockey rink in Buffalo? Or is there well, something, that, another facility? Yeah, absolutely. They, that, yeah. that arena, is, uh, it, it's, it's been a host to NCAA uh, regionals for years and years. Every second year they're in Buffalo for the NCAA uh, we obviously know that uh, uh, they have adjacent hotels there that are actually connected to the arena, so it would work from from the perspective of the visiting team, and I guess for the Raptors at that point as well. So, uh, so yeah, Buff- Buffalo to me makes sense, uh, but I, I, I keep hearing Tampa, uh, and not official, but I keep hearing Tampa a lot when it comes to uh, when it comes to the Raptors. Okay, well, that'll be another thing to follow for sure. The, the NHL, look, Don, look, John, we I speculate constantly. We had Emily Kaplan from ESPN on the show. Her and Wyshynski did some good writing about uh, the bubble and what might come next. And she said the concept of the hybrid bubble has not gone away. Maybe seven or eight teams in one city for two weeks, week off, and then they convene in another city. How much steam... And I know we're, we could be two months out or more from playing games, but how much steam does the hybrid bubble model have? Well, 
Well, it was the first one discussed between the Players Association and the league way back in August. Uh, so, I, I, and Reid, I, I don't know if, if there's any way to say, okay, they're, they're looking at this more than anything else. I think they're still looking at the Canadian division uh, as a possibility. I do think they're looking at the, uh, at, at the capability of playing in-home games uh, in your own arena. Um, uh, but I, I think a bigger issue than that right now is not where, but when. I think when is a much bigger issue for NHL and the, the NHL owners than where they play. Okay, so are you? My my thinking is that it's not going to be January first. I just I just don't think it's going to be that. So it, I want to hear what you think about that, and then the maximum number of games they can get in, depending on like they have to do at least forty eight. So how late could they push it? What do you see with a date? Uh, well, I think the window's January first to July seventeenth. Okay, and that's when in and around there the tokyo olympics are supposed to start which means their number one business partner in the united states nbc is going to be on all of its you know family of channels it's going to be olympic all olympics all the time so there's not going to be any airtime for the stanley cup playoffs so that means you have to in my opinion you have to be finished by that point uh so that to me is the window july uh, january 1 to the to uh, july 17 which would still allow you then to after that point have a draft have an expansion draft and try to get some sense of normalcy for october uh, when the nhl is at 32 teams um but you you know there i i just don't i just don't we can sit here and surmise i think that they think of something every day uh, you know, Reed, we, when, when we started talking in the summer about, well, they're going to do bubbles, and the first three uh, cities that were, were the bubble cities were one was in New Hampshire, the other was in North Dakota, and the other one was at Notre Dame. <laughs> right. And, and, then we, and, and, and then we moved, well, it's Vegas for sure, and then it's Vancouver for sure, uh, and then it's L.A. because Vancouver's being tough. Uh, and we ended up in Edmonton and Toronto. So, uh, you know, the, the, the key thing in all of this and what the league did prove to, to a lot of people is how flexible and open-minded they can be. And I think that's the process they're still going through now. Is they're, they're, They talk every day. I, I can guarantee you within that uh, uh, core group within Gary Bettman's office, with his kitchen cabinet, including, you know, Daly, Colin Campbell, their legal officer, David Zimmerman, Steve Mayer, who is the, you know, he's the great uh, uh, impresario of events now. Um, they're, t- they're, they're talking every day about something, and then they have to deal with the Players Association on it as well. And, you know, Matthew Snyder's going to uh, gonna chip in some ideas. The one thing I can tell you is the players are going to be, they were involved last time, they're going to be more involved this time. They're going to go from five guys on the return to play committee to 13, uh, and the players are going to protect themselves better than they did last time around when you consider, as Emily told you, all the issues that went on with the bubble. Okay, well, that's interesting about more players being involved. We've talked a little bit about this before, John, what I'm going to ask you next, but not quite in this context. Which NHL owners do you think have the most sway in terms of how the next season is structured? Well, he, Gary has an executive committee. 
and 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 it's the executive committee that of ten owners that he deals with um, on a on a on a regular basis on every issue in the NHL. And and he he has a real belief that if he can convince those ten owners um, what's going on, then he can convince the other. Th- 21 at this point owners of, of, of what's going on so it's that group of guys um the group of owners that uh that are are really key to all of this you know and and i'm just trying to call it up on my uh my com- my computer here um but the but the it, the nhl executive committee i mean jeff molson's on it mark chipman is on it um uh uh, uh, let's see. Um, just looking at my notes here. But, there's, Edwards, but there are owners. Murray Edwards, Craig Leopold, Ted Leonsis, Henry Semwelly, Larry Tannenbaum, Jeff Binnick, Rocky Wirtz. Those are the other guys on that committee. So, the, so we're talking about uh, you know three Canadian teams: Calgary, Winnipeg, and Montreal that are represented, and then you know the big, some big dogs: Rocky Wirtz in Chicago, Jeremy Jacobs in Boston. Um, Ted Leonsis in Washington. Those are those are the people that Gary surrounds himself with, and he convinces them of everything, and they contribute stuff. And then it, when the executive committee vets things on behalf of the other owners, they get rubber stamped and approved. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I was wondering how that played out. John Shannon joining us tonight on Inside Sports at 644. I want to hit on a couple other things with you. I love talking broadcasting with you behind the scenes presentation i saw your tweet the other night you had all the televisions you usually have on multiple hockey games or baseball or football or basketball uh tuned to all the networks covering uh the u.s election who uh impressed you i mean a lot of us are talking about john king and the way he handles that magic board on on cnn uh, what what coverage do you think was was the best or was just really solid well, the interesting thing, Reed, is that what do you want to get out of it? Um, what are you trying to do? I don't need to hear opinion. You know, I have enough opinions of my own um, and thoughts on my own about where where politics, sports or politics are. So um, I don't want to hear a lot of pundits talk. The, the magic of John King was that he was on 25-minute riffs and he was just telling me he was telling me off the top of his head i think basically what was going on everywhere in the country and that's what I, that's the information i needed uh, i i didn't need to know you know what the gop was doing or what the democrats were doing um i loved i loved um listening i i'm a, I, I, Rahm Emanuel on abc and and uh, chris christie one democrat one republican People that I think have been had solid careers that aren't wing nuts. Uh, I, I think that they did a really good job. Um, I loved ABC's graphics. You know, they, their graphics were better than anybody else's, uh, and uh, CBS's graphics were awful. And I actually, I have a friend of mine in New York that works at CBS, and I texted them. I said, "Change your graphics now. They're awful." And uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were, and he said, "We know. We screwed it up. We made a mistake." So. Um, but uh, it, to me, it's just how quickly can you get me the results? And everybody was within 30 seconds of each other. Yeah, it was all pretty quick. And the, the thing they I liked work about together, you know, I mean, it's just like in well, of course, all, all yeah. the networks work together to get the results at the same time. So. But the thing I liked about King, and I guess he's still doing it because they're still covering it 24-7. Uh, John Mattingly is the young guy who takes over overnight at that board. Phil, but Phil King... Matt. 
or Phil, sorry, God. Uh, <laughs> at least I didn't call him Don Mattingly. A guy named John Mattingly Reed, so it's okay, you know, somewhere in Saskatchewan, well, you know. It's funny, and and I've done this, I, I've done this several times. As an aside, uh, the deputy commissioner of the NHL in the first half hour of the show was John Daly. I often have to catch myself on that one, but uh, hey, the interesting the, thing is they both love to drink beer. <laughs> oh did i say that out loud oh sorry yeah, yeah. that's sorry. okay there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that but i love how king gave gave context because it's fine you can say okay this this candidate is winning by fifty thousand votes but i loved how they could then flash back to say four years ago and maybe for that particular county that was actually a blowout or that was actually much closer that's the yeah. flavor that king added i thought yeah, t- yeah, and, and you know, just his innate knowledge of politics and elections. I mean, uh, it, the one that jumped out at me was uh, his constant refrain about the state of Virginia, or sorry, the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, and the fact that you know Trump is leading now, but he won't win because of the factor that everybody in and around the D.C. area that live in Virginia are Democrats, and so the numbers are going to come in at some point. And, and and Biden will be ahead. His he, 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 and, he, he, and there was there was it wasn't partisan. I don't believe he was cheering. And you have to watch that. Now that's the biggest part about it. And it's funny you know, when you said I tweeted out the picture and I, I did it just you know for that very fact that hey listen, this is usually my sports den and tonight it's my political den. Um, and 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 I got people replying yeah well you're only watching liberal channels. Well you know what I you know relax. You know, this is, I, I, don't, I don't play politics on, uh, on the air. I don't play politics, and, and, and John King doesn't either, which is what I really like. He doesn't take sides. Lots of people take sides. He doesn't take sides. He plays it right down the middle. And finally, John Shannon, we have uh, a question here from the Big L. He says, for obvious reasons, I would normally ask Kelly Rudy this, but John Shannon seems to be one of the most plugged-in people regarding the coast-to-coast culture of this great country. Is John aware Baba's drive through pierogies in Saskatoon is the only venue of its kind in Canada and that the cabbage roll eating record there is 16? That is from the Big L. <laughs> you know what? You know what? It's... it's uh... I, my, my time in Saskatoon is limited to, to doing hockey features on players that used to live there in the offseason. Remember that five, six foot five basketball league? Saskatchewan had a team. I used to go yes. and produce, I used to do, produce basketball games at Saskatchewan Place that it was called then. Uh, I, I, did, I, I must admit, and, you know, as, as worldly as I think I am, I have not eaten pierogies in Saskatoon. Uh, and I, now I'm ashamed. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get you there. So maybe the Big L can fund a trip for us all to go. <laughs> That's well, great. Well, you know what? If if the Big L can do that, I'm I'm on board. And uh, listen, nothing better than a a, a a a good pierogi. Now, do you use sour cream with your pierogies, Reed? Yeah, I use sour cream, uh, and I'll generally use bacon bits too. I don't go with the chives so often. But my, I don't I don't know if I've ever told you this. My mom's side of um, the family is Ukrainian. Actually, my mom's parents were born in Ukraine and came to Canada. Even my mom's oldest sister was was wow. born in Ukraine. Yeah, I know you. I, I know you must know about it because you don't put the word "the" in front of it. You know it properly. Oh, the name of the country? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How it's not people, the how Ukraine. Many people, how many I, people have we heard on the air over the years call it the Ukraine? 
I, I slip up sometimes, but I know you're not supposed to do that. The country is simply Ukraine. It's there not. You yeah. There you go. We anyway, heard that uh, since the impeachment, so it's okay. <laughs> hey, uh, this was fun. We hit on a few things. Always love your insight, John. Of course, we'll have you on soon, man. Take care of yourself. I don't want to tell you anything, Reed, here, but tomorrow it's going to be 21 in golf weather in Toronto. So. <laughs> well, I hope you get numerous birdies. <laughs> I'd like to get one. <laughs> there we go. I know, I, I know John's pain. Thanks, Matt. Bye-bye. John Shannon, check it in. NHL Insider, longtime uh, broadcasting executive. Armswar says, uh, John King is legendary. I've been watching him for like six years now. He never disappoints. I don't know who's going to take over for him when he retires, LOL. I think he's still in his 50s, so he can be broadcasting still for a while. Uh, We're back after the break. Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. San Francisco third and goal, and a throw to the end zone is caught. They're going to give him the touchdown. Looked like it was pretty close. So for the moment, 7-6 for Green Bay with 48 seconds left in the first quarter. Point after touchdown still to come. I would think they're going to review this one. Leaping catch in the corner of the end zone. One foot down, two feet down. Now when he hit the ground... The ball popped out, so this could be one of those where they have to decide if he completed the process of the catch. Who is it that catch, uh, catching this? Is it? I, uh, I'm sorry, I can't even see the player's name. Anyway, 49ers trying to hang in there against a very good Green Bay team. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Uh, good chat there with, uh, with John Shannon. NHL insider, longtime broadcast executive. So the the hybrid bubble model in the NHL seems to be uh, getting a lot of steam here for whenever they start up again. So you'd go play a bunch of games in one city, go home for maybe a week, and then go to another city and reel off a bunch of games. So you kind of have maybe a round robin or a round robin plus a game or two in all these different cities. And I thought John made a good point there that the return to play committee with members of the Players Association likely to be larger than it was for getting the playoffs going, probably 13 players instead of just five. Connor McDavid, Oilers captain, was part of the return to play committee for uh, getting things going in late July and early August. Tomorrow, well, this is going to be fun. John Scott's going to be on the show, former MVP of the NHL All-Star Game. He is always entertaining. He is scheduled to join us. John Stanton is coming up tonight, president and founder of The Running Room. They're already looking ahead to August for the next Edmonton Marathon. And uh, they want to decide in the new year, like in January, in the new year, for what they're going to do. And Gord Thibodeau, man, I got to tell you, Gord Thibodeau is one of the first people I interviewed in my broadcasting career because he was the coach of the Lloydminster Blazers when I started in the border city in March of 2000. Still get to talk to him after all these years. AJHL starts next weekend. Gord's going to... 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.